Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this is Translating ADHD. This week, we're going to continue the conversation of creating a meaningful workday. And in specific, we're going to look at accountability. Accountability is something that keeps this podcast coming to your ears every week. And that (laughs) is part of what we're going to talk about today. But we're going to start with why accountability can be so challenging for those of us with ADHD and hopefully get to a place where you all can start to think differently about what it means to create accountability that works and that is meaningful for you. Cam, you want to take it from here? Yeah. So this is a little bit of a teaser for today and should cause some relief because I think when people hear accountability, there's a visceral negative response to that. And so go ahead and breathe. And we're actually going to look at this in a creative and positive way. And sort of uh, the larger theme here is when structures don't work for us, it's, okay, how can we reconsider it or reframe it so that it does work for us? And that's what happened with accountability for me. And again, it's something that is uh, now giving and positive as opposed to this negative thing that I've never, I never was successful at. So we're going to go there. But where I want to begin is I think people are starting to get a, a sense of like how this works. So I'm going to go back to the sleep episodes and, and really to focus on the study, study it, and to consider your workday and start to give some consideration and create your own quote unquote sleep study there. Last week, we talked about emotional organizing. When you consider how things come onto your plate and how you get them off your plate, how does that happen? And don't forget to kind of include you in that equation. What we can do is we can get so focused on the stuff and so overwhelmed, it's to the detriment of ourselves. We kind of take ourselves out of the whole equation. And that's up on Mount Rainier is that mirror of the disappearing self, sense of self, sense of identity, self-esteem, sense of value. We kind of remove ourselves and just are focused on all the stuff I'm not getting to. So as you look at it, we talked about you and your relationship with sleep. So here it's you and your relationship with your work and how it comes in, where it goes, where do you store it? How do you hold it? And then how does it move forward? That's the ongoing theme here is to be considering as you're walking along, listening to us, is to think about these things. Okay, listeners? So I'm noticing something. I'm noticing that the way that I've set up my creating a meaningful workday is is under assault, Shelly. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, And I think it's this, you know, the COVID thing is you know, we're going back to school, but we're not really going back to school. I have my kind of summer theme where we kind of quiet down. We kind of make a little got summer camp, <laughs> little old Salem for the kids. No, and that's what we do. I mean, we're just like, we're kid-centric. That's what we do. That's what we're set up for. But coming back, you know, I'm, I was always a teacher, right? So it's kind of getting back to the academic and I'm ramping up three or four classes 
ramping up more clients, ramping up other initiatives. And with that is that understanding of the kids are going off to school. Did I reclaim that five or six hours a day and having this quiet house and, the, and, and I cherish the quiet house? So they're home and are doing their virtual thing. And so it is impacting my ability to create meaningful work because that chunk of time is gone now. And I knew it intellectually, but I'm really experiencing it now. And and again, it's sort of like, okay, so then what can I do with this? This is the reality. And how do I have to make adjustments in order to move forward? I'm having a similar experience, Cam. Let me one-up you just a little bit here. The house would be nice. (laughs) Because I'm living in my ex-husband's house until I close on my own place. So I have the same phenomenon of you of child working from home and ex-husband who formerly worked in an office every day working from home. And I also don't live here anymore. so. The way the environment feels to me has changed. I'm sitting in the same office that we have recorded nearly every episode of this podcast in thus far, but it's not the same. And so this is that intangible stuff. It may seem really small and really silly that having children at home during the day, even though they're old enough to sort of take care of their own school day or having spouses at home or other minor shifts to your environment can have such a big impact, but they can and they do. Yeah. And this is underlying the, the significance of environments and how they come play with respect to generating production and meaningful work. And this is back to essential structures. Right, essential structures is positive people, uh, supportive people, excuse me, and supportive environments and finding it. And we all have this right now. This is just the reality of the situation. And my wife and I are upstairs and we're just looking at each other like caged animals. We're like, <laughs> sorry, kids, but you know, like, ah, help us, you know. And it's just that's the reality of the situation and that realization of, of how, like, finding a way to create environments. So we can not be distracted and do, like, again, protecting our bandwidth. What are those things that sort of take us away from us being able to do impactful work? So we're going to, we'll come back to environments. Today, we're talking about accountability. Because for the last two weeks, we've been talking about this term or the statement running in the background of you must be accountable for your time which has been on the books ever since the Industrial Revolution. And so we talked about this in the sense that both accountability and time are these concepts that are difficult for us to understand. So how can we possibly be successful with that statement there? Being accountable for my time, and we interpret that as being productive all the time. And that's just not possible. And whether you're neurodiverse or neurotypical, that's a fallacy. That is a fantasy, and that is not real. So then what do you do there? Now, Shelly, you just said something really interesting. You said that accountability actually was 
making this podcast happen. And so we have a different take on accountability. What's, what, what do you see? What do you see our take? What's our take on accountability here that's making this work where, okay, listeners, we're just going to toot our horn for a sec. We're at like 46,000 total downloads from November. We're coming to month 10. We were hovering around 4,000 downloads a month. We're up to almost 11,000 downloads in the last 30 days. This thing's taking off. And Shelly and I are finding this kind of our groove. We're like finding this thing that's, that's working. And accountability was at play. So what's your take on that? Such a good question, Cam. The other thing I want to toot our horns about first, though, is the <laughs> consistency piece. 46, 47 episodes. I don't know what number this is. 40-something. Almost 50. Almost 50. 50. And we two adults with ADHD who have always struggled with consistent content creation, you and I both, oh my God, have put this thing out every week. And that's the power of positive accountability. So 2020 has been a tough year for everyone, but it's been a particularly tough year for me. Look, I'm getting the world's most friendly divorce, but it's still a divorce. I had to restructure my business. It's been very stressful. And if I was doing this show alone, there's a very good chance that it would no longer exist. But Cam sort of quietly took up some extra work, checked in on me to see how I was feeling throughout the week, spent a few extra minutes on recording day to help me shift into a positive mindset, took the lead on bringing topics and content. So part of the relationship that we have and the accountability that we have is taking up for each other when it's particularly difficult for one of us to show up and not just taking up for each other, but helping each other remember why we do this. Cam, you've helped me reconnect to what's the passion behind this project? Why did we start this? Why do we keep showing up week after week? And it's sharing that passion with you. It's not just my passion project. It's our passion project. And so you are a person who is very important to me. Our relationship is important as colleagues, as friends, as collaborators. And I want to do my part. So even when I can't do more than my part, I'm compelled to do the things that are my role to get this show out the door every week because it's not just important to me, it's important to us. And that sum is sort of greater than its parts, in my opinion. Right. And so, listeners, this this is the simple switch that we have around accountability, right? So accountability is to be answerable for your actions. And it's often punitive. And so, we didn't create this. This is, this is out of coaching. Our coach training has taught us to show up and receive the, the client without judgment, to witness, to stand with, and let the learning be revealed. And so just taking accountability and kind of tweaking it to be answerable for your actions. Oh, by the way, at a future time and space, which is, you know, completely flummoxing for for those of us, where is that? Where is that place? That doesn't. Where exist. is that place? <laughs> right? A different time, a different place, and a different scale. Where, where are we in the pixels? To this idea of 
we commit and we come back and share. We dialogue. We agree to dialogue. There's a group, there's a term that I've always liked. It's called put the tension on the table. And so that's what this is built on, that taking accountability and seeing it as, oh, wait, this is a way to create powerful agreements. This is a way to create powerful agreements with the people that matter to me most and being really transparent, really open. So we can talk about anything. And if there's an issue, we bring it up. So here's the thing is we've, on the outside, the product is consistent. You're getting a podcast every Monday delivered. Bing, bing. On the front side, it's not the case all the time that we carry each other. Some days I don't have it, Shelly does, and vice versa. Some days neither of us have it. And we're like, this isn't working. Let's reschedule. But again, we're hitting some stride here where the value is starting to increase around the actual event. We know that something's going to happen. And I'm going to talk more about that later on. One thing I want to add about putting the tension on the table, and this is something, Cam, you and I as trained coaches do naturally, but may not come so naturally to people who don't have that background. So I want to share a concept that might be helpful is the concept of nonviolent communication. When you and I put tension on the table, it's not a you're not doing or I need you to or this is upsetting me because you, you, you. It's I'm feeling this way. Can we talk about that? This is what I see. Can we talk about that? And so there's lack of judgment. It's not about accusing. And it's always collaborative and co-created. This is what I'm seeing or feeling or what I need to be different. Can we talk about that? So that's an ADHD workaround. Because with ADHD, we will often kind of, again, circle the wagons and like, well, the world sucks and they just don't get me. Or it's externally focused. We start to kind of look at others and, try, and this comparison thing. And I, I need to keep up with the Joneses. And so this type of dialogue is, again, bringing both people in and considering different opinions. With ADHD, what happens is we will have a thought and then we want to kind of put a, a, a resin hardener around that thought to make it the truth. And it may not be the truth. Wow, Shelly, you know, that look she just gave me, she just, just doesn't care for me. Or a big one recently, Cam, is with how overloaded I've been, I've caught myself putting words in your mouth. Oh, it must be so frustrating to have to do this show with me right now. I'm so sorry that I'm not showing up. And you must be really getting tired of this. And you just right. look at me like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And we have an agreement that, you know, what I say counts. Like you can consider what I say. Because again, with ADHD, it's sort of like, you're saying no, but, you know, no, that's not really true. You know, you're just saying that to make me feel better. And so, again, as you develop these agreements around honesty, transparency, then accountability can start to shift that. And, and I want to go back and tell a little story about how I shifted on accountability. So, remember, you know, remember my, my big challenge. And my moment of learning was that in, in 2004 was this awareness of I don't complete. I don't complete 
tasks. I don't complete projects. I don't complete thoughts. I don't complete conversations. And the coffee cups around the house were evidence of this, that a coffee cup placed, pushed, put down was this evidence of me leaving a thread, just walking away from it. And so this hit me with the help of my wife to let me know like, hey, you're working, but you're not making money. And so it started to like, think about, okay, I'm not being successful. How can I be successful? And these conventional rules that I'm trying to learn to be accountable for my time just aren't working. I can't. And so this was this sort of this coming to terms. We just talked recently about ADHD and identity and ADHD and advocacy is accepting your unique brain wiring so that in part you can then design the day that works to how your brain wants to work. We've always talked about context. The relevance of what we're doing here is so important. So I came back to context and what matters. And then I started to look at accountability. And what I did over years was to start to challenge that definition, must be answerable for your time. And with my coach training, kind of pulled in like, wait a second, why can't it just be about dialogue? Why can't it be positive? Why does it have to be punitive? And so when you start to sort of consider accountability, there's the RACI acronym, R-A-C-I. Go look it up. It puts accountability between responsibility. This is the distance between you and your task. Who's responsible? Who's accountable? Who's being consulted? And who's informed? We can't all be responsible for our stuff. Organizations, you can't just have people working in their silos. You have to have, this is an integral part of, okay, I'm not responsible, but I'm something. And I'm something more than consulted. That's where accountability lives. And it can be positive if you see it as this opportunity to come back and dialogue. What's the dilemma? What's working? What's not working? Cam, before we started recording, you shared a story about your book, the book that you wrote with fellow coach Casey Moore. And I thought it was kind of a funny story because it was a story of accountability gone wrong at first on a book about accountability. So I think it might be helpful if you share that, if you don't mind, to sort of illustrate what you used to think of as accountability and where you've shifted and grown to. Yeah. So I think last week or the week before in the program notes, we put a link to the book, Curious Accountability, Three Client Conversations for for Better Results. And it's a book that I wrote with Casey Moore, who is a coach and a fellow trainer. So she and I, I started to doing these like deep dives into accountability while I was, and I'm still working with Coach Approach and doing a class. So it's a class. And I'm understanding the concept. I'm teaching my students about accountability and how it can be really powerful and positive. Casey jumps in on that with me. We decide to go on the road with it. We deliver uh, into a big room at NAPO, a national association at that time, National Association of Professional Organizers, in 2013 in Texas to a big room around Curious Accountability, well-received. 
I was in that so, room. You were in I was, that room? I was a Cam fan even back then. Cam fan! <laughs> Cam fan! So we like, we, I got it, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about it. And we're like, okay, what's next? What's next? Well, a book. Let's do a book. I'm like, great, let's do a book. So this is the fascinating thing is that over a summer, I don't know, probably around 2015, 14, we start this book process. Now, this is the fascinating thing is we started it and we kind of did it like everybody else. We kind of divvied up the work. Casey's a productivity coach. She's a productivity specialist. She wrote the book, The Productivity Chain, I want to say. We'll put that in the notes. Anyway, right? She's the productivity specialist. She's like, you take chapter one, I'll do chapter two. I'll do chapter three, you do chapter four, right? We're divvy up, divide and conquer, right? And so guess what? We start and she's having some success. I'm having very little success. And there's sort of, again, this, I feel this terrible thing of like, I'm not doing my part. I'm not being accountable. (laughs) And, And we spent a whole summer struggling through this conventional way of working on this project that mattered to both of us. And we got to the end and was sort of like, wow, that didn't work. I guess a book is not in the cards. Didn't feel great. Didn't feel positive. And it wasn't until through the year of the academic year after that summer, it was sort of like, you know, there's something interesting here is that we didn't use our own definition and model for working together on this book. Like, where was the positive accountability there? Where were the agreements to show up and share and put the tension on the table? We didn't have that. We just started laughing. Like, what the (laughs) heck? Here we are writing a book on positive accountability, and we're not practicing the positive accountability that we're preaching? What? So the next summer, we're like, you know what? Let's give it another shot. And let's really kind of turn it on its head. And this is where I learned that letting go of the conventional way of being successful was like the biggest learning for me. I was not going to go off and write a chapter and come back and share that chapter. So this is what we actually did, Shelly. I'm a listener. I've honed listening because coaches are listeners. Good coaches are good listeners. It was like, I just sort of said this to Casey. I don't know if I said it. She suggested it. This is what we did. She read me the chapters. We were on the phone, no Zoom, on the phone. She's reading the content to me. So that's sort of like, oh, and that's sort of like a bedtime story, right? You could easily go that direction. Like, geez, I have to be read this. But when we kind of let go of, you know, any kind of pretenses or like rules around that or perspectives, limiting beliefs, negative self-talk, something fascinating started to happen was as she was reading, I'm just, I'm freed up to listen, freed up to listen. And just, I'm looking out my window, listening, considering, and we just start this banter discussion. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, which is a lot like what a true coaching dynamic is like. It's a back and forth. It's not directive. This back and forth starts happening and 
this crazy thing starts happening, Shelly. It's, and I think it, it happens a lot. It's starting to happen here with the podcast is it's this kind of really the, the dynamic of amazing work was revealing itself. And it took time to get there, but it was kind of like to be at a high level athlete, you got to get on the practice field and practice some things. So we're practicing and this interesting thing came up where, again, she knew her role. I knew my role, just like you and I with the podcast, it was like agreement of as long as I don't have to edit, as long as I don't have to do the stuff on the, on the backside with the editing, I'll be the content generator or again, focus on that. We knew our roles and this amazing thing occurred and then it became like a flow state. We just started flowing and clicking and it was like off to the races. And by the end of the summer, we had a book. And it was beautiful. That's awesome, Cam. And I want to call out something I noticed in your story, which is Casey reading out loud to you. So those of us that have done long-term collaboration with Cam know that Cam doesn't want to process large amounts of written information. So when I'm galaxy braining, I tend to sit down and sort of want to type it out and text back and forth. But with Cam. I know the better move is to ask him if I can have half an hour of his time, if he can carve out a window for me so we can dialogue about it because he processes information more quickly and thoroughly if we can talk about it rather than him having to read it. So that was Casey honoring your modality preferences and your strengths and you letting go of judgment of oh, I have to be read to. Well, being read to got the book written. Taking the time to meet with you and dialogue instead of trying to do our higher level podcast work via text gets the work done. And so developing these kind of relationships where you know people on this level and it's reciprocal you can provide that for each other. I still, every once in a while, get into a mode where I will send Cam three paragraphs of text and he will just very gently remind me, hey, you're, you're taxing my low reader a little bit here. You know, can we, can we make some time this week to talk about this instead? And that's okay. Right. Last week, the talk that we're doing for the virtual ADHD conference this year, Tamara sent me, you know, the model. It's like, hey, can you, you mind uh, tweaking this? text. <laughs> and, uh, you know, again, but we have this agreement of coming back of like, okay, I didn't do that, but I did this. And so again, it's sort of a work in progress. This is, you know, and it also reminds me of the six C's. We talked about the six C's and uh, I guess we can try to put that in the program notes or, or refer to the episode of the six C's. So the six C's were curiosity, and choice in front of commitment. So this is, a, again, the six C's is really relevant around making a meaningful, creating a meaningful workday. And so after commitment, that's where the creativity can live. This is creative process. That when you have an agreement to kind of get into a, you know, to work the problem and to be in there, whether it's with someone else or, or by yourself, that creative time takes time. And so often what we'll do is we will creatively uh, distract. We will creatively procrastinate. That we put creativity in front of the commitment. 
before we've committed to doing. But as you're getting into action is that giving yourself a chunk of time to play around with this stuff and find the way it works for you. And then notice that. Someone on the Discord was like, yesterday I was productive, today I was not. And I said, okay, great. Go back and look at what with, with ADHD, what we do is we, we tend to focus on the day that didn't work because there's the negative signal. And we invite them to go, go back to that successful day. What worked? What were the processes that made that happen? And she came back with, you know what? I actually did that. I actually went there and really considered what made this a good day. And so listeners, as we wrap up here, to sort of think about back to that, the study here, to study what makes a good day for you? What are the different elements or ingredients that add to a positive work day for you? And specifically as relates to accountability, Mm. start to look at your perspective on accountability. Is it something that you see as punitive, as something that needs to be measured in ways that simply don't work for you, that I must be accountable for my time? And if so, how can you start to shift to more positive accountability? So instead of, Cam, please make me do, it's Cam and I invested in this thing together because we both are looking for the outcome that it creates. So how can we be invested in this together? And where can you find those types of accountability relationships in your workplace or in your life? One more thing about accountability is, you know, the title of the book was almost not Curious Accountability. It was almost Powerful Agreements. And so that accountability is based on clear agreements. And if you don't have a partner to work with, it's starting to consider what are the agreements that you're going to create with yourself and letting them be expansive and open and not kind of like hard and fast rules. This is where we will kind of create an agreement and then make it this rule that I got to do this. And then where's the creativity there? Where's the expansive? Where's the acceptance there? Maybe today you just don't have it. That happens. But again, these general sense of of what is an agreement that you can work with, maybe share with others, translate that agreement. I think we could almost come back to just agreements and do a whole nother episode just on that and the power that those contain, Cam. But I love that you called that out because so much of the accountability relationships that work for me are based on powerful agreements, on agreeing together what this relationship looks like and agreeing in a way that produces positive motivation, not punitive motivation. Right. Final thing is I'd love to give a shout out to Casey because again, uh, me getting to this place around accountability, it had everything to do with her her investment, her, her belief in me and in us, just like you and I have this belief and investment in this thing together. So CaseyMoreInc.com. And also she's on Twitter, CaseyMoore, M-O-O-R-E, Inc, at CaseyMoore, Inc. Give her some love. Okay, so before we wrap for today, a couple of reminders. The best way you can help out the show is to leave a rating or review wherever you listen. So if you haven't done that yet, we sure would appreciate it if you do. If you want to support the show, you can become a patron. Visit the website, translatingadhd.com. Click on the Patreon link in the upper right-hand corner. 
And for $5 a month, you can not only support the show, you'll gain access to our Discord community. And you can talk with Cam and I about the episodes and anything else. We talk. I mean, we respond. It's like, it's awesome. It's We're so there. fun. <laughs> it's fun. And I'm learning some so day, much some from Some days folks. I have to disconnect. Like, it's too fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So until next week, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this was Translating ADHD. Thanks for listening.